Hello and welcome to the Apologetics 315 podcast with your hosts, Brian Auten and Chad Gross. Join us for conversations and interviews on the topics of apologetics, evangelism, and the Christian worldview. Funny us going out like this, killed by a hundred foot marshmallow man. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Brian Auten, joined by Chad Gross. Happy New Year. Happy Nar Year, Chad. Happy Nar Year. <laughs> yes, indeed. Happy Nar Year. Well, thank you for joining us. If you've been on holidays, welcome back from your holidays. And uh, dear listener, we've already recorded our 100th episode, which will drop next week. We recorded that prior to Christmas. So if it sounds a little bit off, that's the reason. Uh, but here's <laughs> what to expect. It is just a fun episode. Nothing hardcore serious, but it's a fun episode. And uh, we'll just let you wait for that. But uh, anything, any hints you want to drop about that, Chad? I mean, I would just say it's it's a fun episode and and kind of the theme of it is something that you and I share in common and quite enjoy. But there are some good tips of how to approach apologetics and how to have good conversations with people and things. So it's fun, but I think there's some still some useful bits. Uh, yeah, in it. I was surprisingly useful, even though we were just <laughs> our goal was to have fun. Exactly. We do have some uh, pretty cool guests coming on in 2023. We've got some cool plans, so hang with us and you'll hear some great content and learn about some new resources. It's going to be fun. Okay, well, what to expect from today? Well, Chad, we've had on in the past year, Holly Pivik and Doug Guyvet, and they joined us to talk about the New Apostolic Reformation. And those were really enjoyable conversations and I think very helpful. And I did get a number of emails and feedback from listeners who you know, seemed to strike a chord with them. And I found the content really helpful. And I've even shared in episode 63, I shared a little bit of my experience with going through churches that were influenced by the so-called New Apostolic Reformation. So you might be wondering what that is. Well, we will point you to a few resources in just a moment. But basically, the New Apostolic Reformation, we might just call it NAR for short, it's basically a movement within Protestant Christianity, particularly rising out of independent charismatic churches that seeks to restore the lost church offices of apostle and prophet. So people in this movement believe that modern day apostles and prophets must hold official offices in church government. Now, we'll unpack that a little bit more. But Chad, what I wanted to do today was sort of unpack some of the content that I found in one of Holly and Doug's books at the appendix, because I had talked to you before about how there's certain signs that you can tell, like a church has been influenced to one degree or another by mm -hmm. just like the terms or the buzzwords that are thrown around in that church. And so I thought it'd be helpful maybe for our listeners who were like, well, I've heard you talk about this new apostolic reformation, but you know, how would you even know that your church is influenced by that or not, or that a church is into that? And I would say the first clue is going to be these buzzwords that you're going to hear. And it would be interesting to know, well, what do they actually mean when they're talking about this? And this might be a way to try to gather more information, find out what, you know, what that influence is coming from. And just to be aware of it so that if there are doctrines or things being taught within the church, they can be questioned or we can use discernment and how we're accepting those or adopting those. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, and one of the things I kind of want to add to this is that, to your comments, I mean, is that a lot of people, especially 
for example, when you wanted to have Holly and Doug on at first and you had told me about NAR, it, it seemed interesting to me, but it seemed interesting in the sense of, oh, that's something I don't know a lot about. That would be interesting to learn about that and to read their work and to see what this is. But as I began reading and learning and we interviewed them a few times, I began to see exactly what you're talking about, that there are people that I've gone to church with or been friends with who they are kind of they have been exposed to these teachings and it has taken a maybe not you wouldn't call them maybe solely new apostolic reformation people. But at the same time, these beliefs have seeped into their Christianity a bit. And so if you're listening and you're thinking, well, I, I don't know anybody that's into that. I would encourage you to look into it and, and to hang with us, because I think you'd be surprised at that. This has infected people who you would consider to be conservative mainline Christians, if you will. And this does creep in and you might even have family that have been infected by it. And so it's definitely worth something to I think what you're doing is wise, Brian, because it does allow us to kind of have our antenna up and to be able to our spidey sense will go off maybe if we start to hear these terms. Yeah. So here's what to expect from today's podcast. First, I want to talk to you about a few books to, that I want to recommend, a couple of websites, talk about what the New Apostolic Reformation is in short, and just some of the key leaders, just as a brief intro, and you know, talk about why we want to address it and give you a few podcasts. Then we're going to look at the glossary in the back of Doug Guyvitz and Holly Pivot's book, God's Super Apostles, Encountering the Worldwide Prophets and Apostles Movement. From that glossary, I've gleaned a few that I think are terms that you might hear most commonly, and I'm sure that we'll unpack a few more that are sort of telltale signs. And then maybe if we have some time, there's another Appendix B in the same book, questions to ask churches, because we just want to be discerning, have our eyes open, see what's being taught, where the teachings are coming from, and ask good biblical questions, questions to find out what's the substance or the influence behind the teaching before we just embrace it or let it come on in. So here's a few books. We've talked about all of them so far in past podcasts. They're all by Holly Pivik and Doug Guyvett, who've written together and sort of become experts in this topic. The first one is A New Apostolic Reformation, A Biblical Response to a Worldwide Movement. The second is God's Super Apostles, Encountering the Worldwide Prophets and Apostles Movement. And then finally, their latest one, Counterfeit Kingdom, The Dangers of New Revelation, New Prophets, and New Age Practices in the Church. The first two books, God's Super Apostles, that's a popular level book that kind of gives you an idea of the overall teachings of the New Apostolic Reformation, um, this central teaching of apostles, modern-day apostles and prophets governing the church today, giving new revelation and direction for God's people. It's a nice, short, easy read. Mm -hmm. But if you want to go deeper and get heavy citations from all the main leaders and teachers within the movement— the book, A New Apostolic Reformation, is the one to go to. It's sort of like the more academic type. And this documents everything so that you don't just think, oh, well, you know, this is what they, you know, Holly and Doug are saying they're teaching. But, you know, let me hear it from their own mouths. <laughs> well, there you go. You can read it all there. And then finally, Counterfeit Kingdom is more like all the different practices that seem to be piggybacking on top of this teaching 
coming directly from this teaching or all the, the stuff that's coming along with it. So this idea of new revelation, new prophets, and new age practices even that are coming into the church and, uh, you know, talking to angels and that sort of thing and declarative commanding prayers and things of that nature. So a couple of websites that you'll find help for, of course, from Holly and Doug. Holly Pivik is hollypivik.com. Pivik is spelled P-I-V-E-C. And then Douglas Guyvet's site is dougguyvet.wordpress.com. And you can find individual posts and resources there that dig into various aspects of NAR. A lot of the content I'm going to be saying, Chad, is, is direct quotes from say Doug Guyvet or Holly Pivik from their, from their mm-hmm. work. So I give them full credit and uh, uh, then I'm just kind of riffing on, riffing on that and just talking about it. Um, but first I said, I would talk about what is the new apostolic reformation NAR. It's a new religious movement led by men and women who claim to be prophets and apostles. They claim to have authority and functions akin to those of the old Testament prophets and Christ's apostles. All Christians are expected to submit to their leadership and receive their new revelations. And in this way, they plan to form the church into a miracle-working army, and this army will transform society and prepare the way for God's kingdom to be established on earth. And some of the key leaders in the movement, if you've not heard of the New Apostolic Reformation, it's not like that term is thrown around much by those who are proponents of it anymore, although it was called that from the very beginning by C. Peter Wagner. Brian, if I'm correct, when we interviewed Holly and Doug, one of the points they made was, is that the people within the movement very much want to distance themselves from that label. Yeah. And there's a few more things I want to unpack about that in just a moment. Mm -hmm. Um, But here's here's some of the ones that uh, you may recognize or not. Some of the most prominent figures would be Bill Johnson at Bethel Church in Reading, Mike Bickle with the International House of Prayer, also known as IHOP. Pancake joke insert here. Uh, Randy Clark from Global Awakening in Pennsylvania. Rick Joyner with Morningstar Ministries. Cindy Jacobs with Generals International in Texas. Author Dutch Sheets and of course C. Peter Wagner. So that's a list of some of the the people who are are most involved and propagators within the movement. So I would say if you're reading stuff by them and uh, it's not raising any red flags, you might rethink that and maybe getting a book like one that I've listed from Holly and Doug would be really useful in balancing the scales uh, on your discernment in that area. And I would also say, too, that one of the things I appreciate about Doug and Holly, Brian, is that this isn't about whose movement is right, right? Uh, What it boils down to is, is what views are most biblical. And that is Doug and Holly's heart. And so if you're listening and you're a Christian and you're part of a, you realize you are part of a new apostolic reformation, we're just encouraging you to search the scriptures and also to consider what Holly and Doug put forth from the perspective of who's being more biblical. And uh, we we want that for ourselves as well, to be as biblical as possible, realizing that none of us are going to have perfect theology, but we don't want it to be for lack of trying. And a lot of times when we're talking about apologetics, we're talking about defending the faith. And in this sense, most of the time it's from those who are maybe attacking Christianity from the outside. Um, But as we've talked about, Chad, there's a lot of things that Christians seem to be doing that is bringing a lot of ridicule and trouble from critics. And I think rightly so, because some of the things they're practicing, preaching or prophesying and doing, it makes a mockery. I mean, it really brings, I think, disgrace on the church. Uh, You know, when you're declaring that 
you're going to raise kids from the dead publicly and that, that mm-hmm. doesn't happen or you know you're prophesying that trump is going to be reelected, and uh, you don't go back on those prophecies in the face of you know a different president being in office so things like that and then you're still calling yourself a prophet or saying that prophets uh, can keep on rocking yeah, I think of one of the things that William Lane Craig argues in um, books like Reasonable Faith and On Guard. He'll say things like, what we want to do as Christians is to help people see that Christianity is a reasonable, viable option. And of course, somebody might say, well, why do we just want them to see it as an option? Well, the point is, is people in the New Apostolic Reformation and people who are doing some of the things Brian's talking about, they're making Christianity seem silly. And so it's antithetical to what Dr. Craig and people like that are trying to accomplish and just saying, look, we want to present Christianity as reasonable and why it is, I would argue, the most viable option. And when we're doing things that are silly and things that bring mockery on the church, we're actually doing the opposite. There's a difference, I think, from being persecuted because of the cross and the message being hated because of the cross and because you're preaching Jesus versus you're doing you know, publicly silly things and making proclamations and having practices that are questionable even by other Christians. You know, that's not the kind of persecution you want, you know. Right. That's that's well put. I mean, you know, you can't you can't really pull the persecution card if you're doing things that are just patently silly. Yeah. All right. Well, there's a couple of things I want to point people to. A few podcasts we've done. In 63, I talked about my various experiences within the NAR. And in revisiting some of these sort of books and reading about the subject, it was like, wow, it brought back all these memories of all kinds of things I've seen and heard that I thought maybe that I just thought that at the time I was just in a funny church. But, you know, I realized, no, this was a movement, you know. So also episode 96 with Holly and Doug and their latest book, Counterfeit Kingdom. We'll link to those now. Chad, there is a really interesting podcast I want you to listen to, and I haven't talked to you about it because it's ongoing. Okay. Do you remember the you remember the podcast about Mars Hill? Remember that Mars Hill podcast? Oh, y- yeah, that was wow. Think of a another podcast in that sort of vein where it's multi-part sort of documentary style podcast, mm-hmm. and this one is revolving around the New Apostolic Reformation. Oh, the title of the podcast series is called Charismatic Revival Fury, The New Apostolic Reformation. It's a podcast series on the history of the New Apostolic Reformation with ICJS Protestant scholar Matthew D. Taylor. It was running from the first Monday in December all the way to the January 6th anniversary. So the series, which is part of the Straight White American Jesus podcast, explores the history of the NAR through its key figures, starting with C. Peter Wagner, then moving to Shayon, Lance Walnow, Cindy Jacobs, and Dutch Sheets. Now, I uh, will point people in the show notes to the website for Straight White American Jesus, as well as the direct page for just this series. I cannot recommend anything else by that podcast. If I go into my Apple Podcasts app, what am I going to search to find this podcast? That's what I'm wondering. You could look up straight white American Jesus in the podcast app, but then you're going to have to go right to these particular episodes about charismatic revival fury and just listen Got to it. those. The other stuff, the other content I can't vouch for, I, I don't, it doesn't look uh, like something I'd want to recommend. So I just sure. want people to know that. But if you click the link that I'm providing, which is icjs.org slash charismatic dash revival dash fury, 
then that takes you to the site where you'll see all the episodes of this particular series and you can even listen to them on the page if you want. Now, this is a really well-documented sort of series. I mean, there are excerpts and, and quotes and recordings from C. Peter Wagner, from Cheyenne, from all these different preachers with their prophecies, with their teachings about apostles and prophets. And what they've really trying to show is that this riot on the Capitol on January 6th was contributed to in a huge way by people involved with the New Apostolic Reformation. And really? that there were prayer gatherings on the National Mall prior to this event and then coming up on the event in which people were doing a lot of things like blowing shofars, praying in tongues, having big worship services, prophesying and praying and proclaiming Trump is going to be reinstated again and that the you know the vote will be overturned and it's highly interesting and it seems to me that the straight white american jesus podcast so this is basically their way of demonstrating you know the nar is a big contributor to this what you could call a, a very negative form of christian nationalism the connection as you're explaining it and and we've been learning about nar makes complete sense especially the number of documentaries and things i've watched the connection makes complete sense. I've just never connected it with January 6th. From what I've heard in this podcast, I think mm -hmm. it would be very difficult for January 6th to happen if it weren't for NAR influence, because wow. there was such a presence in that place at the time. There had already been prior gatherings of big prophetic voices and things like that, even a year or two prior in the Capitol, big prayer walks and things. Now, talking about Christian nationalism, another thing that's come to light, if you go uh, and you look at Holly Pivik's blog, she has linked just today when we're recording this on the 1st of January, in light of the controversy surrounding the terms New Apostolic Reformation and Christian nationalism, Joseph Matera and Michael Brown have issued a statement of clarification. So if you go to NAR and ChristianNationalism.com, They've released a statement with their position that they want people who are within the NAR to sign on to about what they affirm, what they disaffirm, reject, and what they believe in regarding what would be called the New Apostolic Reformation and Christian nationalism. Then I also will link a response from Guyvet and Pivik to Matera and Brown's statement within the show notes where they have some questions, further questions about the statement. Now, it's too much to unpack right now, but clearly those who've written the statement and sign on to it see that there's been quite a connection here between what is being seen as Christian nationalism and the influence of the NAR. And it seems to me almost like a, a little bit of damage control. And what they are saying there seems to be a positive statement like, OK, that's good that you're it's good that you've said that thing. But it's almost like you're saying these things, but everyone who's signing on here is teaching and doing just the opposite. So it's very interesting. And um, I just linked to it. Listeners can do their own reading and researching it if they're interested in it, because it's too much to unpack here. Guyvet and Pivik have a seven, eight, nine page response to this statement questioning. Well, that's good. You said this, but um, you're still teaching this. Are you going to go back on what you've taught and retract some of these things? There's a lot more mm. to it, but Really interesting, Chad. I mean, a lot of politics and a lot of like dominion sort of 
theology within the NARs. Like we are going to take over the government. We're, you know, the seven mountain mandate. We're going to take over yes. society in all these different ways. And there's marketplace apostles and there's prophesying change to and regimes are going to shift. You know, there's always this big grand language incorporated within it. And you can't separate the politics aspect of it. Yes. Yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to checking that out. Yeah. Listen to the podcast first and then they scan through that statement, but that the NAR folks, including Michael Brown there. What are you smoking, Michael? We're, we're on to you. Michael Brown is a head scratcher for me. I mean, he's so solid in some areas, but it, he has such a huge blind spot. I mean, when you're defending Sid Roth, I, I mean, come on. Yeah, there's a lot of head scratching going on here. But, you know, we have to look at the scripture and then look at what these teachings are and say, can we legitimately make the jump from what is being taught from the scripture without reading our own little interpretation into it? Or you can't get it from scripture unless you take some prophecy someone gave and then like interpret the scripture through your prophet's words. You know, it's troubling. Yeah, and it definitely, I mean, it so often comes back to exegesis versus eisegesis, right? You're either extracting the meaning from the text or you're either impressing your own preconceived philosophy into the text. That's all we're encouraging people to do is to consider this movement and to see which one you think they're doing. Right. So there's various things linking again, all of these things in the show notes for your own little listening. Watch out for those podcasts. So let's look at this glossary, Chad, New Apostolic Reformation. We've, we've talked about what that's defined as, but there's a lot of different like terms that you'll hear when you are influenced or within these circles. But the terms, using the terms apostle and prophet is the first sign, I would say. Adjectives like apostolic and prophetic. Now, when this was happening in the church I was working at between 2000 and 2006, the term apostolic and prophetic, it was like you could not go to a church service without hearing apostolic and prophetic multiple times. You don't have enough fingers to count how many times you'd hear the word. Every service, every prayer meeting, everything was being pushed to be apostolic and prophetic. And every service was pushed to be somehow incorporating something that was prophetic or apostolic. And it got to the point where I thought, well, what isn't apostolic or what isn't prophetic? Because it was just like this was the whole paradigm. And uh, so that's really the first um, sign that you're really in deep. But another term would be the use of, and if you go to like, say a website, a church website, and you say, oh, let me see if this is a good church to visit. And if it's any NER church, they're probably not going to mention, hey, we're believing the new apostolic reformation. Instead, they'll probably right. say something like, we believe in God's fivefold ministry. And basically that's their way of saying that apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Those are the five-fold ministry, the apostle and prophet. So everyone accepts evangelist, pastor, and teacher. We're seeing those. We see those today. Not so much apostle and prophet, <laughs> depending on how you define those. But if they're saying we believe in the five-fold ministry gifts and functioning today, what they really mean is apostles and prophets are happening and uh, we're into it. So get ready for to be under their rule, <laughs> you know? So right. Also, if they say they're in an apostolic network or we have a, a network of um, overseeing churches or, uh, you know, the fathering of other 
church leaders. This is just another form of saying, oh, he's my apostle. You know what I mean? Uh, it's the language they would use. One of the things I thought was interesting as we've been learning about that is that apostolic network is that in churches I've been in, the pastor is usually has a board and the decisions and things have to be voted upon. And of course, this keeps the pastor from having dominion, if you will, over the whole church. I thought it was very interesting when we were learning with uh, Holly and Doug that in this apostolic network, the only people that can keep these so-called apostles to keep them accountable is other apostles. Right. And Mm -hmm. so it becomes a... Good old boy network. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Good old boy network, a, yep. Yeah. A good old boy network, a self-sustaining kind of position, if you will, because, you know, you want to back up your, your, your fellow apostles, right? Because your livelihood is somehow tied with theirs in a sense. And so I thought that was really interesting and seemed worth mentioning. Yeah. You know, a church that calls themselves non-denominational is another way of you know, maybe they're presenting themselves as like, hey, you know, we're not starchy Baptist or whatever, you know, name your denomination, plug it in here. Sure. We're not that starchy, dried up thing. God's doing a new thing. We're into the move of God. We're, we're going forward and we're marching and we're moving. That that sort of idea tends to go with non-denominational. And sometimes non-denominational is just another way of saying we're going to just govern ourselves. And the apostle who or the pastor who thinks he's an apostle he's calling the shots and everything gets run by him everyone's there in my experience you're there to please that man you know and um so another sort of different buzzwords you can hear a lot of talk about anointing and activation when it comes to activation it would be sort of the teaching that miraculous gifts of the holy spirit like healing prophesying can be activated or released in individuals. So, hey, these are all just tools and you can be trained to use them. Uh, training you to prophesy, training you to heal people or raise the dead. Activation is one of these buzzword terms. Another thing that I have heard a lot and I think you know, that is also in the glossary here is warfare prayer. That's the practice of issuing direct commands to powerful evil spirits that rule cities and nations, including commanding them to leave those regions. So one common thing might be going on big prayer walks, and it's not just to ask the Lord to you know, bless the city or have mercy and just sort of like bathe the place in prayer. It's more like, no, no, we need to go up to this place which the demons are at and cast them down go up to the high places and tear down the Asherah poles, so to speak. And I remember in the church I was at, what this looked like was going up to where the Rosicrucian temple was and marching around that and going in there and praying and binding those demons. Hmm. So that idea of warfare prayer, we're not, not like what we talked about with Carl Payne, where, you know, someone is um, being demonized or oppressed in that way and things like that. This is more like, no, there are these ruling demons in areas of cities and territorial spirits, basically. And so your word for a prayer in this aspect of the NAR is we're doing high level, strategic level spiritual warfare. Um, You're confronting the ones who are ruling cities. So Los Angeles would have its ruling demons 
uh, the city of angels. There's no, there's no um, accident that it was called that, you know, this is kind of common things you're going to hear, or, or if you're in Detroit, then there's, you know, typically what you're going to hear is that there are certain principalities over Detroit and you can easily look around and see that poverty is the big, one of the big demons or, you know, we can pr go pray outside an abortion clinic. Uh, you know, that's, that's one thing. But when you, when we're talking about more NAR practice, it's more like, no, we're going to go do prophecies over the land. Uh, we're going to right. attack demons and bring them down. Sorry, let me ask you a question. So with you having more of a background in this and things, mm -hmm. I, I, first of all, I think it's great that you made the distinction because warfare prayer is a reality in the Christian life, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you made the distinction between what we learned about with Carl Payne versus what goes on with NAR. However, what I hear you saying is absolutely there are people who Christians who are oppressed there are people that are possessed, although that's rare. There are there is demonic activity, and there is a way to pray against that. And Carl Payne taught us how to do that. And his book, Spiritual Warfare, is a great place for that. But what I hear you saying with NAR is it's almost like they're going demon hunting. Would that be a fair? Well, you know, if you want to, if you want to make some sort of analogy, I suppose the analogy would be, oh well, when you're praying for yourself or your friend, that's just you on the battlefield in the trenches little soldiers mm -hmm. but we want to go after the big general demons the ones who command okay. nations the one who commands cities the, the, there are ranks of demons this would be to my mind this is like pretty common teaching within nar or really charismatic places that this idea that there are demonic principalities in ranks over nations and cities and then whether that's true or not uh, okay, we could argue that out. Go ahead. Sure. But the idea within NAR is that to make a difference and to win a city for Jesus, you first have to bind the strong man, which would be, we're going to have to go do strategic level spiritual warfare on principalities and powers like, okay, we're going to have to confront the spirit of the city, you know, and the, one of the things that uh, the prophets would do is identify well, what is the spirit of the area so that the apostles can give strategies for the church to pray against that, send out oh, prayer walking okay. teams and that sort of a thing. Gotcha. If any of these teachings are off at one point and you've built a lot of other practices on that teaching that might be off, got a lot of crooked teaching. It's like building a house and you think, well, I don't know for sure if this level is just right or not, but I'm going to use it anyway and build the entire house up with this level. And then when you cut to the end and you realize the house is crooked everywhere, you got to take the whole, I mean, I mean, my boy got Legos for Christmas, you know, and anytime he gets Legos, I have to watch as he goes along just to watch because I know if I let him go for an hour building, he'll do great, except he might make a mistake at the very beginning. And I have to take the and entire thing yes. apart in order to find, oh, you put this one in the wrong place. And that's why everything you're doing on top of that is just failing and broken and won't come together. And that's yeah. what I am so afraid of with the NAR stuff is that you can't afford to put the pieces in the wrong place when you're building so many of your practices on top of it. So when you see a practice that seems really helpful. like, why, wait, wait, why are you doing that? Well, it does make perfect sense within the context of your teaching, but is your teaching right at the very beginning? 
like this person who said they're a prophet, were they in it for just the prophet? <laughs> you know, uh, wow. what were they saying? And then what did you build everything else on? So if C. Peter Wagner influenced hundreds and hundreds of people and he was off all these hundreds and hundreds of other people, they're just going to keep propagating that. And so that's why it's just so grieving to me. I mean, people want to serve God. That's why they're doing it. They're wanting to serve right. Jesus. And they, it's like most of the people within NAR movements, they're like, they're on fire. You know, that's what's it's yes. very attractive and causes it to grow, not because it's a true necessarily movement, but because they're so on fire. They believe in it. They're really good hearted people. And uh, I applaud that. But the Legos are out of place at the very core, I, I suspect. So your house has got to be built on a solid foundation. Otherwise, there's going to be a problem with the entire house. Yeah. Another thing that you'll hear a lot is the great end time harvest, popular prophecy that in the end time, more than a billion people would convert to belief in Christ, including entire nations, making this event the greatest harvest of souls in history. It will occur as a result of the implementation of new spiritual warfare practices being revealed by NAR apostles and prophets. It will also occur as a result of miraculous signs that will be performed by NAR apostles, prophets, and their followers. You know what's interesting? When I look at that definition of great end time harvest, right? Listen, like I'm going to read it again. And here's the question I want listeners and you to consider. Who's the focus on here? Listen to the definition. A popular NAR prophecy that in the end time, more than a billion people will convert to belief in Christ, including entire nations. Making this event the greatest harvest of souls in history, it will occur as a result of the implementation of new spiritual warfare practices being revealed by NAR apostles and prophets. It will also occur as a result of miraculous signs that will be performed by NAR apostles, prophets, and their followers. To me, there is a great emphasis on major and minor prophets throughout the Old Testament. But anybody who's read the New Testament, and it, particularly I'm thinking of Hebrews here, and the book of Revelation, we have moved past that to Jesus, the completion of the law and the prophets. But when I look at this great end times harvest, there seems to be a really big emphasis on NAR apostles and prophets. There's a few other terminologies. I won't go too deeply into them, but a few more of the terms that you'll find in the glossary are things like the great end time transfer of wealth, which is a prophecy that in the end time, the wealth of the wicked people of the world will, will supernaturally flow to the church so it can be used to advance God's kingdom. It seems to me a lot of these things have sort of morphed from the word of faith movement, the idea of healings and prosperity and health and wealth and yes. you know, flowing to God's people. And you will find um, some good, helpful history of the movement within that straight white American Jesus podcast series. Uh, again, linked in the show notes. Dominionism is a teaching that the church must yield to the authority of modern day apostles and prophets to whom God has given new strategies to advance his kingdom. So this taking dominion is another term you're going to hear a lot of, as well as things like spiritual mapping, where you profile a city based upon the demons that are over it and then come up with apostolic strategies to prophetically take them down or usurp them so that you can, you know, win the city. I was just going to say, you know, once again, as far as dominionism goes, anybody who's commanding me to yield to the authority of anybody other than Christ, I'm going to have an issue with. I mean, even my pastor, 
when he's preaching, his ultimate message is, is you need to submit to the authority of Christ. Uh, he's not telling me to submit to his authority in the sense that he's the ultimate authority. But again, in dominionism, I think that a good argument can be made that ultimate authority is given to the apostles and prophets, at least this side of heaven. And that's a pro- and that's a problem. Okay, so that's enough of the glossary for now. But I think it's also important just to help listeners. Let's take a look at Appendix B within God's super apostles and look at questions to ask churches. So here's a few questions that Holly and Doug say would be good to ask. Now, again, we're not heresy hunting, but we are wanting to be discerning. We are wanting to be wise. We are wanting to be on guard from false teaching and practices that are not rooted in scripture and that are possibly off kilter. So here's a few questions. Do you believe that some people alive today are apostles and prophets? So if you're maybe talking to people within your the church you're visiting or going to, or the pastor, uh, if the answer is yes, then seek clarification. And what do you mean by apostles and prophets? So the next set of questions might be helpful along that line. Do you believe that today's apostles and prophets share similar authority and functions to the apostles of Christ and the Old Testament prophets? Do they have authority to govern churches and to reveal new truths, also known as present truth? And if not, what do you believe about them? Are apostles similar to missionaries and church planners? Or do they have greater authority to govern the church? Again, this is really important. One thing we unpack in next week's fun podcast, and that's clarifying terms. Like, what do you mean by that? I'm fuzzy about the whole apostle and prophets thing. <laughs> what yes. do you mean apostles and prophets? Yes. Um, yeah, but that yeah. that one, that I love that question, though, because there are churches and denominations that call apostles people who are missionaries and church planners. And, and, you know, in a sense, you know, I think that even Doug Guybet, you know, doesn't have an issue with that, but it's, it's a whole other ball game. If they're saying, Oh no, no, no. We mean they have a greater authority to govern the church. Then we're moving into the, the NAR area, the NAR zone. You know, it's like when I look at what I would call an apostle, like it's almost like they earn that title by what they've done and what the sort of the life they've lived. Wow. Uh, you could say that Hudson Taylor was an apostle in the sense of, mm. wow, he took the gospel to China and look at the impact he made. You know what? I think that man was an apostle, but he didn't go around saying, Hey guys, I'm the apostle. Uh, then you got like exactly. prophets. You could say like, um, Francis Schaeffer after his life was lived and you look at his impact, you could say, you know what? That dude was a prophet, but he didn't yes. go around saying he was a prophet. So in that no. sense, what they were doing, what they were saying, it was like they were embodiments of an apostle or a prophet nowadays, but it wasn't about a title or about a position or here's the authority I'm going to have over other people. It's about the impact they made by doing what they read in the scripture and applying it rather than receiving these new revelations and special directions that nobody else is getting but them. And you better listen to them. You know, I think that's well put. So uh, if this church is governed by a pastor, then is it part of a larger apostolic network of churches that has come under the authority of apostle? Because the way that these work is there are apostolic networks. Churches come under other churches and, you you know, you have to have a covering. Uh, Otherwise, you're just basically operating without any authority and therefore without power and without a covering. And you don't want that within that paradigm. Right. Do you believe that for God's kingdom to to advance, Christians must cast out territorial spirits? 
high-ranking demons. High-ranking demons that rule over cities and nations. If the answer to these things is yes, then we're on track to get you in that NAR church. Does this church promote practices of strategic level spiritual warfare, including spiritual mapping, prayer walking, and the seven mountain mandate? Again, if the answer is yes, always want to ask, what do you mean by these things? Because not everybody who's prayer walking is doing giant spiritual level, you know, strategic level spiritual warfare where they think they're they're going after a territorial prince demon over a city. And oh, you'll sure. find yeah, it. I, when, when, yeah, I know. I know people who do prayer walks where mm-hmm. they literally just take a walk and they just go over their prayer list and they're just yeah, praying dude. as they're walking. That's not yeah. what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be have anything wrong with saying, Lord, if there are principalities and powers that have been assigned over this city for whatever reason or even the sins of the past that are committed uh, in this city because of the shedding of blood or immorality of any type, God heal the land let these principalities and authorities be pushed back by the light of the gospel you know but i'm not going in there you know with my authority and saying i cast you out right now you know that i'm like going up against right. a balrog you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yes yes uh the final question you could ask is does this church teach that people can learn to work miracles more specifically does it offer classes or promote books that teach people to work miracles yeah, good questions to ask. We just encourage everybody to look at these issues. You know, hopefully we've given you some great tools to kind of discern this movement, but ultimately our desire is to just be as biblical as possible and sort of weigh these things again, ultimately to let scripture be your authority. Listeners, I think that's about all the time we have for, for this week. And I hope you find it helpful uh, just to review some of these things. Again, check out the show notes for a lot of helpful resources. And uh, if you have further questions about this topic uh, in the future or anything you'd like us to possibly address or guests you'd like us to have on, just shoot us an email at podcast at apologetics315.com. Thanks again for listening. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week for episode 100, where we have a little bit of fun. Yes. Some great guests in 2023. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to address or just a message for us, feedback, good or bad, you can either email us at podcast at apologetics315.com or leave a voice message for us using SpeakPipe. Just go to speakpipe.com slash apologetics315 to leave us a message. And remember, if you include a Ghostbusters quote in your question, we guarantee that we'll read it on the podcast. We also ensure up to 50% better quality answers. Also, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please leave a review in iTunes or the podcast platform of your choice. And please share this episode with a friend if you found it useful. Remember, you can find lots of apologetics resources at apologetics315.com, along with show notes for today's episode. Find Chad's apologetics stuff over at Truthbomb Apologetics. That's truthbomb.blogspot.com. This has been Brian Auten and Chad Gross for the Apologetics 315 podcast, and thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.